Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a lovely lady all the way from the States, but at the same time she's lived here for over 20 years and she moved back. And she's going to tell us about her experience in London and why she moved to London and what life is like in America. And we're just generally going to have a chit chat and see what chit -chat. we can learn. Nice to have you here today, India. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. So, Go, starting at the beginning, what were you like when you were in school? Oh, what was I like? Yeah. I was really chatty. I talked a lot and I always got in trouble because I talked too much. Part of it was because I was really, really bored. Mm -hmm. My mind moved a million miles a minute. And so I was really chatty in school. Okay, so would you say you're an extrovert? You know what? I, I'm an ambivert. <laughs> Which means that I can do extroversion, but I can also do introversion. So I really like being on my own a lot. Okay, that's good, that's good. So you went through your education at school, mm -hmm. and then you decided to come to England. Yes. What was the catalyst that decided you to come? To England? Yeah. It was actually my job. So I finished university and I went to work on Wall Street in New York and the company that I was working for was doing a big merger and they wanted people to come and do, you know, come and work on the merger here in London and I said that I would and so I came over to London as a part of helping to work on that merger for the bank that I was working for at the time. Okay, and what was your role within the bank? At that time, I was a project manager and and I was working on a certain part of the project so we were merging these two banks together and we had to do an analysis of all the things that had to like what we would pull together mm -hmm. and so I was running one of the projects to help determine that what was it, what what did you your family say when you said you're gonna move over to here they I mean they were like okay bye <laughs> no they were fine and partially because my as a kid, my dad was a was a diplomat, and so we traveled a lot around the world. Okay. Um, from the time I was probably, I don't know, I would say eight or nine, maybe. Uh -huh. And so mostly in Asia, though. And so they weren't really that moved by me leaving the country because it had been something that we'd done a lot of. So they weren't, they weren't surprised. And actually, I made my career choice based upon working for companies that where I would have that opportunity because I wanted to be able to travel around. Okay, that makes sense makes sense yeah. what was the biggest culture shock <laughs> coming to london yes <laughs> and had you been to london before i had been to london before and i'd been here a few times for work so i'd come here a couple of times already the biggest culture shock i would say mm, that's a really hard one it was such a long time ago and i feel so something about my soul is british in a lot of ways because i would spent my whole adult life here really but i would say it's language. You know what it was, actually, more than anything, getting to understand the different accents in England from different places. Okay. Like, that was the thing, because you always think when you come, like, when I came to the U.S., I mean, came to the U.K. from the U.S., I thought all the accents sounded the same. Okay. And now, having been here for this amount of time, the, cult, the accent, the, the culture shock was trying to, like, figure out what people were saying, when sometimes, even though we speak a common language, it didn't sound the same. Uh, I would say. Okay. <laughs> That's Did you make any major military blunders? Okay, this is, I, I probably shouldn't be saying this out loud, but yes, but not in terms of language, in terms of 
when I first started to drive, because it's on the other side of the road, isn't it, from where I'm from, I used to always get so dangerously close to other cars because they were so close, because the roads are so much smaller. And one time I drove down a road and took off like five wing mirrors. (laughs) Did you stop? I did. I did, but it was still really embarrassing. And I had to leave notes because it was like on a residential road. And actually, it's not far. It was like in Chelsea, and it's like one of those skinny kind of roads. Yeah. And I had to leave notes on everybody's because their people weren't out there. And it was like nighttime. So, yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, all the Chelsea tractors, as we call it. Yeah, right. It's taking off the wind mirrors. Taking off, taking off the wing mirrors. I wasn't in a Chelsea tractor. I was in like a little at the time. Do you remember that? It was called a, oh, it was a Renault. That was a McGann. Mm-hmm. Remember the McGann? Renault McGann. That that was what I had. Okay. Back then. Okay. And you've got much more comfortable with our roads now. Oh yeah, now I'm good. You you understand that our roads were built for horse and cars. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'm a, good now. Yeah, that's interesting. But you know what? The funny thing is, London's two thousand years old. Mm. But obviously, the, not all the buildings are that old. There's not very little remnants that it's oh we had the great fire of london and various other things Mm. but new york was built around the same time Mm. because you have similar buildings from what i understand new york is later is it we have victorian elizabethan buildings which are the main ones in georgia Mm. i mean for us our build i mean we were a little bit we were later right we came later Mm -hmm. and so i mean the u.s is really young i mean the u.s is only 400 years old really in its current iteration. So 400 years is not very long. And so our buildings, and, and you know, the first settlers were from here, were mm-hmm. from the UK. So a lot of the architecture looks really similar mm-hmm. to things that you'll see here. And like, for example, I always say DC, which is my home city, looks a lot like London because there are height restrictions on the buildings. Mm-hmm. So you don't have tall buildings. Like, you know, here we have Canary Wharf. There's like, you know, tall buildings out there and there are some in the city now. But, you know, generally speaking, there's a height restriction on buildings. It's the same in D.C. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. What can London learn from D.C. and what can D.C. learn from London? So what can London learn from D.C.? I think, you know, there's something... Things have shifted a lot. And, and I will tell you that the cultures have come pretty close these days. I mean, like, there's still a lot... They're so similar now. When I first came here, it was very different. I found London to be a lot slower. I found people to be a lot more polite, <laughs> and now it starts feels like it's starting to come together. It's like some somehow some of the um, some of it's kind of started to merge. But um, I think that let me start with what I think DC can learn from London, and I it, it is absolutely about people, and it is that um, one thing that I will say that I really recognize when I came to London is that you know, all different kinds of people come together. Like you have different types of people who kind of merge. The U.S. is super racially segregated, super segregated, right? So like here, I had friends who were from all different various backgrounds. You don't have that in the U.S. People tend to stay together by their racial groups. And so you don't get any of the richness of culture. And one of the things I'll say around the UK that I do, well, around London specifically, because London is a different place than the rest of the UK, mm-hmm. frankly, is that it's a nice that you have such a mix of cultures and mix of backgrounds and people are just kind of, you know, kind of being. Things have shifted here too, but it's nothing like the US mm-hmm. in terms of that. So I think that the US could learn that from London. And then I would say um, what DC could, what 
you could learn from us? You know, I will say that people believe in the U.S. particularly, and, and in D.C., but I say more broadly in the U.S., that anything's possible. Like, there's nothing that is impossible. Mm-hmm. And that the only barriers you put on yourself are your own. And that is something that people tend to actually believe. So, like, you know, I've heard a lot of people here that will say things like, well, you know, I couldn't do that, or I wouldn't do that, or I wouldn't be able to do that. And that's that's a very different mindset than a lot of Americans have, just be, just culturally. So I think that's the thing, that really the only limitations you have are the ones you put on yourself. Okay. You've had an interesting life experience. You've been traveling, you've worked here, and obviously you're back in America now. Yeah. What have you learned over the whole experience that you wish you knew when you had started? Oh, you got, you have some great questions. I would say, what what would I say? Um, Just that I wish I would have taken a little bit more time to smell the roses and slow down. I, for the, you know, for the 25 years I was in the investment banking space, you know, I ran for 25 years and I I didn't, I, um, I sprinted for 25 years instead of realizing it was a marathon and that I should have taken a little bit more time. And, and so I think that I missed a lot of things in hindsight when I think about the kind of, you know, the, the, I, had, I went to some wonderful places. And I didn't just live in the UK. I lived in Japan and came back. I went to Frankfurt and came back. So, you know, I, had, I went to some great places, but I wish I would have taken a little bit more time to smell the flowers. Okay. What was life in Japan like? It is my absolute favorite place in the world. And I probably would have stayed there if it weren't so far away. It was too far, and it was so opposite time zones from everybody else that I cared about um, that it made it really hard, but it is such a sleeper destination. And I went there again for work, and it was, it was was it's just an amazing place. Food, fashion, um, talk about architecture and beautiful buildings. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just a really, really wonderful place. And the people are so kind. They seem, if you don't know Japan and if you don't know Japanese people, they seem quite standoffish, particularly if they don't know you. Um, and a part of that is because they're really concerned about offense. Like, like offense is a really big thing to them. So offending people is huge in their culture. And so where, if they can't speak English really well or if they're not sure what to say or do, they don't do anything. But once you kind of crack that, they are like the most wonderful, warm people in the world. Mm-hmm. Did you go to any, you talk about smelling the roses, did you go to any sumo fights, any, <laughs> anything like that? No, I did a lot of traveling though. Like I traveled around Japan a lot. I went to Hiroshima, which was really something to see. Mm-hmm. Like that is... It's, so it's still left as it is? Desolate? Well, not the whole city, but they have this the, a part of a city where they left it as it was so people would all, never forget and yeah. it is deep, deep. It's, it's really something. How, as an American, how did that make you feel? Really sad. You feel super sad. When you go into the to the museum, it is, they have a museum there too. It is, it's just, well, actually, I didn't feel, I didn't feel badly because I did it. I just felt badly because I think for humankind, that kind of destruction and that kind of pain and that kind of needless and senseless death, you know, um, okay. is, is, Unnecessary. I understand. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So you loved it. How, how long did you live in Japan for? Just under three years. 
crazy, you really. And all the time you traveling with your kids and there was that so that was pre my youngest ones. Okay. That was pre my youngest ones. And how many children you have? I have three. Oh you have three. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Any grandchildren? No. I'm too young for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying anyway. I got grandchildren. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. you look too young for that too. Well, thank you. I don't know what too young is, but, <laughs> but thanks. I think it's a compliment. My son, my oldest son, is 26. Well, I, if somebody was coming to live in England, mm -hmm. what would be your advice to them as an American? Oh wow! Um, I think that my advice would likely be that um, it's just an amazingly vibrant city and that you know it's funny because somebody literally just told me that her daughter is going to move here and ask me for my advice on what I what I would tell her and I think that it's don't bring any of the inhibitions that you have or don't bring any of the assumptions that you have that might be from whatever wherever you hail with you and that you come with an open mind and explore it in all of its glory and all of its history. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Just don't come with any assumptions. Okay. And walk a lot. I walked a lot when I lived here. Oh, yeah. Is um, D.C. one of those car towns as well? You know, every American city is a car town. But there, there is a lovely and a lot of walking in D.C. It's one of the places that you can walk very well. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't. Okay, yeah. So I, when I was in Miami, I've got quite a bit of family in America, the various different places. Mm. I wanted to get to the beach and I walked into this shop and I said to the man, there's a beach far from here. Mm. And he said, well, it's about half an hour's drive or something. And I said to him, can I walk it? And he <laughs> went, walk it? <laughs> what is that? Walk it? <laughs> he, his eyes went big. It's like... And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you can try. That's so so I bought a bottle of water. And I said, actually, give me a big one and a small one. And I just started walking. And I don't know if he watched me, but I just walked and walked and walked. And then the sun started to come up. So obviously it's Miami. It got very hot. And I thought, okay, what do I do now? I can't remember if I finished walking to the beach or what have you, but I, I did walk quite far. So... I speak to quite a few Americans mm -hmm. and when they talk about when they come into like a merger or something, there's cultural difference in communication. Mm. Tell us about your experience in that because it's quite intriguing the stories <laughs> I've heard. I mean, I think that, you know, Americans can be quite brash and they just say, they say things generally as they are and that's not necessarily always the British way, right? People will say things, but there are a lot of subtleties. <laughs> they say things quite subtly, or they don't really say exactly what they mean. But if you are from here, you understand what they mean. But if you're not from here, you can miss those subtleties. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to think of something. You know, I'm married to a Brit. I should know this. I should be able to come up with some good examples of this, except that I think that I've turned him. So he's, he's kind of acting like I act now. But I would say... Yeah, I think it's that subtlety. I think that there is a British reserve. I think there's a British politeness that, that Americans haven't mastered. That's something that the Brits didn't bring with them to the U.S. when they came and settled the U.S. They somehow left that part out because the subtlety and the politeness is not something that's as 
prevalent, I would say. Maybe it's because of we got to get... There's a lot going on in, in America at that time, and we don't have time for the etiquette. Perhaps. We just need to get the job done, that's whatever a, they're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's, a pro, I think that's, probably, that's probably accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So you're happy to be home now? Yeah. But you're you know, commuting between the two. Yeah, I am. But you know this. But you know, to be honest, I spent my entire adult life in London. I came here when I was 26, and so you know, I left here when I was 47 or 48, and so you look this young. is more home for me. You know, this is much more home for me because this is where I grew up as an adult, and this is where. I chose my friends like they weren't my friends because I went to school with them or you know you happen to these are this is where I chose my life chose my friends and so London is actually home to me and while I go back to the states and I live there now and it's still home too this is this has equal footing for me in terms of what I would consider to be home so when I come back here I always feel like I'm home did your family come and visit you here yeah all the time siblings all the time and how did they take to the country they loved it Everybody who's come here has liked it. But I think if you come here with people that you know, it's a different experience than if you come here as a tourist. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a very different experience if you're here with people you know who are taking you places, you know, that you might, you wouldn't go to necessarily as a tourist because you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Or you wouldn't know the order in which you might go to places because, you know, you don't, you're just kind of a tourist. Yeah. So I think they, they really liked it. They liked it. My parents loved it too. You've been an interesting guest. <laughs> you. We much appreciate. What does the future hold for you? Oh, what the future holds for me is, you know, I sit on a couple of boards of companies and I have my own company as well oh. that, that does diversity and inclusion leadership work with CEOs and their leadership teams. Okay. Um, and so I think that it's just going to be carrying on pressing on that. We're in really crazy times. The world is a crazy place. And, and I think that it's, you know, it's, it's time for us to make some changes to how we operate, how we treat each other, and do the work to make the world what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for that. Thank you. And we wish you well. Thank you. And to the listeners out there, thanks, uh, thanks again. I hope you learn something from that and do not forget to check out our sister podcast africa investor stories where we talk to people who've invested in africa from around the world goodbye we hope that episode enhanced your life we post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode